research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Sitting by my side, as always, Eric Eggers. Eric, how are you? I'm so wonderful, Peter. How are you today? A <laughs> little bit of sarcasm, hint of sarcasm. So we have called for, in this organization, for more than a couple of years, a special counsel, an independent counsel, to look into Hunter Biden. That's what we got on Friday, right? There was the news dump. We got the news that we have a new independent counsel, but lots of questions uh, about this, how it happened and what it actually means for the Hunter Biden investigation. I like how you're framing this as in. This is something that I, Peter Schweitzer, the (laughs) prescient one with all knowing, said years ago, this is something that should happen. And so you finally got your way. Right. Are you like thrilled? Is it like I've been waiting for a race car for years and on Christmas morning, I finally saw one of the trees at that level of excitement, enthusiasm for you? Because I feel like most people are suggesting that it's maybe not the thing. It's not this panacea of justice that we were hoping it would be. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of concerns about this. There's also some possible positive outcomes of this, but we're going to discuss it today. How did we get to the fact that David Weiss is now gone from a U.S. attorney investigating Hunter Biden to be giving stat? He's been given status as a, uh, a special counsel, which he requested. Yeah, he the background, of course, is that he requested this of Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland gave it to him. And the background to that is that apparently the negotiations with Team Biden, as far as these charges that Hunter was facing on tax charges, the gun charges and potential other investigations, those have apparently broken down. So the question is, when you look at the appointment of this special counsel, what does it really mean in terms of the investigation? On the one hand, And it broadens the ability of David Weiss to bring charges beyond just Delaware. Remember, this is one of the issues. He was investigating this in Delaware. He was the U.S. attorney in that area. And the whistleblowers, the IRS whistleblowers, said that he had requested the authority to bring charges in other jurisdictions, places like Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles. And he was told by the Department of Justice, no, you cannot do that. He was rebuffed. Now, as a special counsel or an independent counsel, he can actually do that. He can pick the venue uh, as to where he's going to go. So that's one positive aspect of this. He's also going to have a larger staff, right? So more opportunity to investigate. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize the special counsel comes with it, this whole suite of employee uh, benefits. You uh, got the yeah. whole team now? Oh, yeah. He's going to have more team. Before, he was simply relying upon his office as a U.S. attorney. Now, some people would say, well, look, he's had five years. He's had plenty of time. So is this really going to help? But there are some positive elements to this. The question is, is David Weiss the right guy Mm -hmm. to be the independent counsel? And we were looking at something earlier. There's a legal question as to whether David Weiss can actually even be 
an independent or special counsel. Yeah, I think it's like statute 6003 suggests that anybody that's and it's the guidelines by which someone becomes a special counsel and it says they have to come from outside the government. And I think the point that's been made by a number of people with more legal training than me, the number of John Grisham books I've read notwithstanding, suggests that uh, because he is literally the assistant U.S. attorney or the U.S. attorney, he does work for the government. And he so does. that would seem to suggest that he is ineligible for this particular status. Of course, the nation's top lawyer Merrick Garland didn't seem too bothered by that <laughs> so, so, it never gets in the way yeah, for Merrick Garland I just like how that's how it goes right like this guy's right. literally supposed to be the top lawyer in the country he says this yeah. is who I want to be this other guy who's a lawyer says I'd like to be special counsel everyone on Twitter says no that's illegal right, right. it is illegal that's what the statute says right. you have to come from outside of the federal government outside of the Department of Justice Certainly, David Weiss does not. Mm -hmm. He's been a DOJ employee since 2017. He was appointed, of course, by President Donald Trump. Now, people make a real big deal out of this because they say, oh, well, he's a Trump appointee. But the way that it works is you have to have the approval of the U.S. senators from that state who happen to be Democrats, who happen to be Democrats. So he had to be signed off. This is not a fire breathing, drain the swamp kind of guy to begin with. But he is a U.S. federal employee. So I don't understand in light of the way and the law explicitly says that how they can appoint this guy uh, as an independent or special counsel. So uh, actually, to that point, then maybe the most relevant point so far, the biggest positive, if there is one, and there's a lot of people that suggest that there aren't, but then maybe if there is one, it's the fact that, as you mentioned, it's a different staff or a bigger staff. Because if it's because if it's true, yeah, yeah. right, that to be the U.S. attorney in Delaware, you had to have the approval of the senators from Delaware, right. then one presumes that to work for the U.S. attorney in Delaware, you also have to then have the approval of those people that pass off, right? So, I mean, maybe there's some of that deep state, administrative state. And if you've got the IRS agent saying, as he did in open testimony to the House Oversight Committee, that he believes that David Weiss was hamstrung and wasn't able to do the things he wanted to do, then I think not having everyone in your office be on the same page about that would be one explanation, right? Well, exactly. And there's actually an, uh, a gentleman, an attorney that worked in that office with Weiss when the Hunter Biden investigation launched whose last name was Meckler. I think his first first name is Alexander Meckler, but he's actually a friend of Hunter Biden's. Mm -hmm. He was actually the campaign manager for Bo Biden's run for attorney general. He was working the first six or eight months of the Hunter Biden investigation in the actual office investigating him. So you're quite right, I think, to be skeptical and wonder who's actually in that office. But the problem is, how independent is Weiss really going to be? We see that he sort of bended the knee uh, when he was told by the Department of Justice, no, you can't uh, bring these charges in these other jurisdictions. There were instances where, you know, he wanted to um, uh, issue uh, search warrants and, and people on his staff tipped off the Bidens. It's not like David Weiss has a reputation for, you know, take no prisoners I'm going to you know, fight this with integrity. He does not seem to be a fighter of the bureaucracy. There's a lot of reasons to say, in addition to the fact that it's not legal, for this to be the guy that is the, the special counsel or independent counsel. Yeah, if he is a fighter of the bureaucracy, then he's not a very good one, right? He's, uh, his track record is not excellent. Uh, he would appear to be losing to the bureaucracy quite regularly, and I think there's several reasons to be concerned. And, of course, House Republicans have voiced some very real concerns. I think relevant so. Uh, House Committee Chairman James Comer said that the Biden Department is trying to stonewall congressional oversight just as we're trying to present evidence to the American people about the Biden family's corruption. And I think that's a really important point, too, because it's been speculated that this guy, David Weiss, was the next one on the list for 
uh, witnesses to be called by the House Oversight Committee. And so now there's, and you talk about an illegal appointment to a special counsel he doesn't qualify for, but he will use the legal argument that now because I'm a special counselor, there's an ongoing investigation. So I can't speak to uh, you. I can't answer any questions about possibly ongoing investigations, right? So there's that. Uh, Jim Jordan talks about the fact that uh, he said he didn't have the power he needed and he wanted special counsel status. And then he said he didn't need it because he had all the power. And then he says, no, I need special counsel status. Something doesn't seem right. That's what Jim Jordan from Ohio is saying. So that seems a little weird, right? It's kind of following the bouncing ball. And then there's also the fact that because he now has special counsel status, not two years ago, the statute of limitations has expired on potentially the tax charges that they wanted to charge with felonies for Hunter Biden. So it's kind of like, did they not just do Hunter Biden a massive favor? Yeah, no, I think they absolutely did. And the challenge is, of course, that at this point, if you appointed somebody from outside the government to be the uh, independent counsel, you'd run into the problem that they have to get up to speed on this five year long investigation. You might have other uh, uh, you know, statute of limitations. So it, it's a complete mess. It's muddled. And I think this is by design. You basically have two choices here. Either it's massive incompetence or there's some level of design behind this muddle. And I think there's design behind this muddle. And it's going to be interesting to see what Merrick Garland has to say about the legality of appointing David Weiss um, and the fact that that this is really tantamount to a cover up. Because let's remember, it was David Weiss who was ready to sign a plea agreement that was the sweetheart of sweetheart deals. And the only reason it didn't happen is because of a judge who said, this looks really, really squirrely. That same guy now we are led to believe as an independent counsel is going to go out and aggressively pursue these cases. I'm just not buying it. No, I'm not buying it either. I think that's an excellent point. And think about this. Part of the reason why the judge didn't want to sign off on it is she said, you know, she didn't buy into the idea that there was this special provision they were trying to couch the plea deal under and because it was a diversionary agreement. And like they literally had, and we talked about this on a previous episode, we kind of walked through the transcript in which the judge is saying, so wait a minute now, you're telling me that I don't have the authority to strike down this deal. And the, if, if I find that uh, you sh- there was problems with the investigation or that additional charges should have been brought, that that's not something that the judiciary has a role in. Both the lawyers, the lawyers for the government and the lawyers for Hunter Biden said that's correct. That would be a massive separation of powers violation. And she said, so this is, in your opinion, only something to be done under the executive branch. And they said, yes. And then she said, well, then what's the remedy, right? Like, what if we think that there's a big problem? <laughs> right. And they said, uh, the political process. Like, <laughs> like that's literally what the right. lawyers for right. the government right. and for Hunter Biden said, said this is more of a political issue, not right. a legal issue. Interesting. They don't argue that with Donald Trump. Right? Right. And they it, say that's not a political issue. We're going to make that a legal issue. Even though, as you've pointed out and as people have pointed out with you in different interviews, literally three different times the day after news about Hunter Biden issues come up, Donald Trump faces another charge. And oh, by the way, it may happen this week with potential charges for Donald Donald Trump in Georgia related to the 2020 election. So, I mean, that's a continuing problem. But I think absolutely, like, what is, how are they to be trusted if, to your point, the office already said, hey, two misdemeanors and we're good. Right. And then the judge said no. 
Right. And then it's almost like they're trying to take their ball and go home. Right. Right. I, I think you're exactly right. And, and you know, look, this this becomes a question of the integrity of the justice system, the way that these statutes are used and accountability. And thank goodness we have a Republican Congress that can actually get to the bottom of how some of these things unfolded. Now, we had a, an additional amount of news, um, a transcript that was released uh, involving one of the whistleblowers, the FBI. What's new in this transcript? What is interesting about this transcript? What does it confirm or what does it suggest uh, is different? Well, here's why I think it matters, because and, and we know we knew some of the news about this, but the fact that the transcript is now published and you can read the testimony of the former FBI agent for yourself. I think it just confirms the fact that um, there are things being pursued as it relates to the government of Hunter Biden, but justice is not one of them. And so what this FBI agent is telling congressional investigators is that they were in back in 2018, they'd reached the stage where they're ready to interview Hunter Biden. They said, mm-hmm. okay, we've done this. And you know, it wasn't easy, but even despite the limitations with the investigation, despite the fact that we had to keep the Biden name off of some of the things we were looking for in terms of the records, we now got to the place where we want to go and talk to Hunter Biden, but it was December of 2020. And so what was happening in December of 2020? We were, you know, it was a tough spot for the whole U.S. of A. <laughs> right, 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 right. Some interesting issues lingering out there. Like this is pre-January 6th, but this right. is pre-January 6th. Right. Like there's still, hey, can we fight the, the election? But the point is Joe Biden had been declared or had assumed the mantle of president-elect. And so he was about to kind of transition into power. Uh, and so therefore he receives Secret Service protection, as right. does then Hunter Biden. What this FBI agent is saying is that uh, they were prevented from interviewing Hunter Biden because other people in his office tipped off Secret Service and said, hey, by the way, we're going to be coming to the House to interview Hunter Biden. If they had been successful in getting to the House, then they would have presumably been able to interview him, but they weren't because they were preemptively notified by Secret Service, hey, that's not how it works. We're in charge. Uh, You're not, and you will not ultimately be able to, you will have to come through us if you'd like to talk to Hunter Biden, which ultimately led to no interview of Hunter Biden actually taking place, which is among the reasons why. I mean, maybe maybe that's the genius part of it, right? Maybe that's why no charges of consequence have been filed against Hunter Biden because no actual legal authorities have been able to interview him. Yeah, and and this goes to a deeper question about the Secret Service, by the way, because what is the role of the Secret Service? It is to protect uh, uh, principles in American politics and senior position from physical threats. It's not to protect them from legal scrutiny. Uh, And this has been a persistent problem. You remember, you know, Hunter Biden had that gun. And he put the gun in the trash can near the school. Uh, and what happened? The Secret Service went and retrieved the firearm on his behalf. Um, that should not be the role of the Secret Service. I mean, I understand in terms of gun safety, but you're essentially protecting somebody uh, from covering up the possibility of a crime. And that's not the role of the Secret Service. The Secret Service should shim- simply be about physical protection. And if the FBI wants to show up and interview somebody because they think a crime's been committed, who the heck is the Secret Service to stay? Hey, no, no, we're in charge here. They're not the Praetorian Guard. They are the Secret Service, and they ought to operate accordingly. But that's not how they operate when it comes to Hunter Biden. We've yeah. discussed previously that, and it's not a gun charge, although that's quite significant. And ironically, uh, once again, Hunter Biden sort of being protected from consequences of illegal firearm possession in, in the wrong places by the Secret Service. But remember, there was uh, in the fall of 2016, Hunter Biden was had left a rental car with with drug paraphernalia and his ID and his 
deceased brother's Delaware identification. And this rental car was just there and somebody gets a tip. And so the law enforcement goes and takes a look at it. And it's got Hunter Biden's name. There's a phone number connected to it. And, you know, it's kind of like not okay to just abandon a rental car with, with drugs, with drug, drug paraphernalia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the local law enforcement, the Arizona law enforcement said, well, we'd love to talk to Hunter Biden about this. You know, are these your drugs? Which, by the way, appears to be a consistent question that's <laughs> asked in the Biden White House. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess it was. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> you would have made an excellent law enforcement yeah, official. Yeah, exactly right. Peter Schweitzer, narco. <laughs> but then, but but they weren't able to do it, and they weren't able to do it because uh, Hunter Biden had gone away to this sort of very alternative health lifestyle type place. Right. But ultimately, the local law enforcement in Arizona was contacted by the Secret Service saying, Hunter Biden's been located, he's safe, that's all you need to know. So, yeah. I mean, so the Secret Service regularly gets in the way of Hunter Biden facing legal consequences. Yeah. So I guess, unfortunately, and that's, I guess, back to the, the original point, nothing that's happened gives in gives you any confidence that hey maybe now they're getting it right hey maybe now joe biden's attorney general has done something that makes it more likely that joe biden's son will face justice right exactly yeah well here's the other thing that's going on out there it's the incredible distortion of what the term bribery actually means. Uh, And this is happening, of course, Democrats have been doing at the hearings. You can't show that Joe Biden got paid. You can't show that Joe Biden was directly involved. Ergo, it's not bribery. Philip Bump, who writes for the Washington Post, uh, had a column and said, there's no bribery here. You've shown no money that went to Joe Biden. Here's the thing, and we've reported on this in in, in the past. If you look at U.S. law, you look at the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, You look at the international bribery standards, which the Obama-Biden administration signed on to in 2011, defining what is bribery. Bribery is not just paying the politician. If you pay the politician's family member, even if you give to their foundation, the Clinton Foundation, for example, or if you give to one of their aides or one of their assistants or one of their advisors and you are getting favorable treatment in return, that constitutes bribery. And so that needs to be cleared up. But also, I think we need to call out these reporters and uh, these Democrats because they are distorting what bribery means. It's only the really, really, really stupid politician who takes the money himself. The whole point of doing it, I would argue, the way that the Bidens do it and that other people do it is you use a third party because it gives you some semblance of plausible deniability. But the law clearly says it's bribery as much if Hunter took it as if Joe Biden himself took it. And oh, by the way, we now know that uh, the Bidens were experts at using third parties in the name of some 20 shell corporations. They set up to have money rerouted from various kind of nether regions of the business world, the third world of the business empire that the Bidens do business with, and it makes its way into the various shell companies that they have. We know that the financial records have proven that it's exactly what they've done. Let me ask you this question, because yeah. you know it's impossible sort of to talk about with the charges that Hunter Biden isn't facing without at least acknowledging the fact that the former president does face charges of yeah. a much more significant yeah. consequence. Do you think that the threshold of evidence is clear, is different? I mean, do you think that with it, when it comes to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, they want it to be up here. And with Donald Trump, just the fact that, well, he had the documents and he was mean and he kind of, you know, obfuscated. So <laughs> right. 400 years of prison, right. you know, 37 yeah. charges. It does seem like it's disparate. Yeah, it is. It's very different. I think it's different on a couple of levels. One is you notice if you look at the Trump indictments, there are a massive number of the charges which are simply charges conspiracy. It's conspiracy of, of conducting some certain 
illicit behavior. Um, conspiracy is generally pretty vague. Um, you certainly could look at what the Bidens have done. You could have charged them with conspiracy back in 2018 when we first exposed this stuff, uh, because it's clear what they're doing. Uh, but the second thing that strikes me in the, in the case with Trump is they're really going after very specific technical things. In other words, saying you told us you didn't have these documents, but you really did. Ergo, you're lying to the federal government. Um, you gave a speech, uh, and therefore you've incited a riot on January 6th. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's a really a massive stretch. Uh, when it comes to the Bidens, um, they don't want to hear any of that. And and to me, there are three basic questions that the Bidens, specifically Hunter Biden, but the Biden family need to answer, I think, that are very common sense and very easy to answer. And they don't have an easy answer for them. First question. And by the way, I got these from a very smart friend of mine, formerly worked at the Southern District of New York, prosecutor, a lawyer. He said there are three things as a prosecutor that I would ask Hunter Biden and the family. Number one. What exactly was Hunter's job, right? What was his job? Um, he's because, an, as Devin Archer said, he's an expert in knowing the guy. Exactly. So I we mean, know so, that. But, but in other words, from your mouth, don't tell us you were like involved with private finance. And what was your actual job? Right. That's the first question. And most people would understand uh, when he's asked that question. The second question is, why does your family need all these LLCs? Mm-hmm. Uh, because he said, you know, classically, when you're looking at money laundering, when people are trying to cover up criminal behavior, they don't set up, you know, yeah. 20 LLCs or whatever it is to move money around. And then the third question that he asked, which I think is really powerful, is why in all of these cases from China and Ukraine, did the money not even actually go to Hunter first? It went at one of Hunter's business partners who then diverted it to him. Why did they feel the need to conceal that the money was actually going to Hunter Biden. Those are three questions that they should answer. And I think all of them speak to the guilt of the criminal enterprise they were involved in. Hunter Biden's answer is, that's easy. Tax evasion. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, do you like paying taxes? <laughs> but, but, but it's not just that, right? And that's kind right. of a, a, a thin and, cl- you know, kind of fun answer. And that is, I think, partly accurate. I mean, the man does face charges for tax evasion, right? So right. it's clearly a, a pastime of his. But I think the other more sinister and maybe more serious and very troubling answer is because we think there's credible evidence to suggest that some of that money ended up in the pocket of the president of the United States. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, and, and so that that's why it's not it's one thing to avoid taxes. It's another thing to conceal bribery. And I think that's what's at stake. And that's what the fact that uh, we now have this special prosecutor uh, who may or may not have the ability to actually answer those questions. That's why it matters. And that's why it's troubling. Well, exactly. And, and you know, the Democrats on the committee seized on this notion of what Hunter was offering was the illusion of access well, you know, here's the here's the question. <laughs> These four nationals are repeatedly paying Hunter Biden over time. Mm-hmm. They're not stupid. I mean, if they pay him, Burisma pays him. That's a great point. And he's not doing anything for a year and a half. It's just an illusion. They would stop paying him. But they're they paying didn't. Him. Yeah, they, but they didn't. They kept paying him. And because, the prosecutor got fired. Yeah. And they're getting things uh, favorably done for their benefits. So let me ask you, where does it go from here? Uh, do you feel as if the criminal probe with the special counsel, are there going to be charges against Hunter Biden? Do you think this becomes an impeachment on Capitol Hill? There's an impeachment inquiry they're talking about. Does it become an impeachment? Or ultimately, is this something that's going to play out in the 2024 election or all three? What What do you think is going to be the most important of those? Yes. <laughs> no, I think that I do think it will be all three. I do think the fact that uh, they asked for special counsel status, it, the positive from that is, is that because the judge tried to strike down this plea arrangement and because 
was that I think the judge was able to flesh out that maybe we weren't exactly on the same page, the government lawyers and Hunter Biden's lawyers, and there was still the threat of possible future prosecution for violations of like the FAIR Act, you know, foreign agent registration, which they've admitted that they sort of violated in some of the emails. Right. Um, that The fact that they could no longer then come to a second agreement suggests that on some somebody in the prosecutor's office thinks that there's more to be done than Hunter Biden is willing to admit to. Exactly. And so if that's the case, then that suggests that there, the threat of something happening down the line is still there. Now, is the threat of something happening still there before the 2024 election? No, but in some cases, I think it kind of doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because unlike what happened in 2020, when Facebook and Twitter helped suppress the story, we've had now four years of vetting of this. Yeah. And if you wanted to know about it, you know about it by now. Even the mainstream media has reported on the hearings, and that's one of the things I think you have to give the House Republicans credit for. And then, so, yeah, do we think this will lead to impeachment charges? I think... Because the House Oversight Committee has been successful in coming up with the financial records, because they may look at Joe Biden's phone record, because we now know about the 20 shell companies, we have the testimony that, oh, by the way, yeah, Devin Archer says Joe Biden would get on the phone 20 times. You've got the guy that was the head of the Ukrainian natural gas company saying he was told of recordings of Joe Biden being, you know, being part of a bribery attempt. Uh, that all matters. And I think that has come to light. And so, yeah, I think there are motivated members of the House Oversight Committee that want to bring um, impeachment articles and. So I think they probably will. Well, the good thing I think that's happening is the trend lines are clear. The more the American people learn about this, the more they're troubled about it. Uh, when we first uh, broke this story in 2018, very few people knew about it. There wasn't a lot of concern. Latest polling, Harvard-Harris poll and others show that close to 60% of the American people, including close to 60% of American independents, believe that Joe Biden was involved in criminal commercial enterprises involving his family. That's a pretty stunning number. And by the way, I think that number is just going to continue to go up as more information unfolds. Think about this. And, you know, we'll kind of end with your call two years ago that there should be a special prosecutor in this case, (laughs) which I did think showed some prescience and some foresight. Uh, Garland, listen to me. Finally, I'm not saying that. No, (laughs) Uh, but but I'm saying that. Think of it this way. You know, we produced a documentary that came out in 2018 that came out five years ago, right? The Mm -hmm. same year that Secret Empires, in which first exposed the Hunter Biden story, came out. But in that film, which, again, you can stream on Amazon, uh, it talked about the role of Facebook and Twitter and Google Mm -hmm. and the way – the power that they have to shape elections – uh, in terms of both what they put out there, like when you Google, like the example we use in the film was when you Google Hillary Clinton, based on how Google can rank the search results, oh, yeah. it will shape people's political behavior. Yeah, the and creepy line. The, the film was the, called the creepy the, line. The, yeah. called the creepy line. But we also talked about in the film how another way they can shape political behavior is by keeping people from seeing things. And you make yeah. the point in the film that why that's so impactful is you don't know what you're not seeing. If you're being shielded or if information is being censored, then right. the user is unaware of that. And so all they operate on based on what they've seen. And that's exactly what happened in 2020. I mean, right. that's literally what happened two years later. And it happened about the thing that you also wrote a book about. So uh, I guess I want to give you credit for not just calling for the special prosecutor two years before it happened, but I think predicting essentially what happened in the 2020 election two years before it happened also. Well, I'll, I'll totally take the credit, even though I don't deserve it. <laughs> that's a very, very optimistic view. But you're right. These trend lines, I think, are so important. Uh, this is why transparency is so key. That's why what GAI does, I think, is so crucial. News outlets don't have the inclination they don't have the resources to do the kind of deep investigative work we do Uh, and oftentimes we get resistance from mainstream media but also large tech companies like twitter like google who want to hide information on certain candidates but the bottom line is still truth does come out 
I wish it come out sooner than it does, but truth does kind of come out in the end. And that's, I think, what's so encouraging. By the way, I just want to say, like, I, I know I tease you about having certain old man tendencies. Yeah, which I do. But it occurred to me that, like, the fact that I will never not call it Twitter is officially my old man tendency. <laughs> I'm going to be like the guy calling them the Oakland Raiders still, right, even though they're, right, like, you know. Right, from, right. Like, yeah. So exactly. Just, right. Exactly. Well, we appreciate all for joining us today. Um, certainly we're going to continue to watch the Hunter Biden story. And we know that those that have been with us from the beginning uh, know that we're vigilant on this and every single bit of information that's relevant, we're going to report back to you. So thank you for joining us. You can find this podcast on the drilldown.com or other great locations where podcasts are available. Until next time, thanks so much.